This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Barbara Ramirez. We want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. This evening, we have a special edition of Generation Justice, a recording of the 2023 Leaders for Change Fellowship celebration focused on health, vaccine equity, the science of COVID-19, and long COVID. Tonight, you will learn what the 2023 Fellows learned in the past few months. The cohort of Leaders for Change Fellows includes young people between the ages of 14 and 24 from San Felipe Pueblo's Project Venture, Santa Fe Indian Schools Leadership Institute, the New Mexico Dream Team, Siembra Leadership High School, and of course, our own Generation Justice. The first voice you will hear is that of Generation Justice Director Roberta Rael, who also facilitated the intensive summer program. Welcome to everybody. Welcome to the folks who are sitting in the room with us. And welcome to all of the folks that are on the Zoom with us. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for um, waiting. I'm so sorry that you missed the lunch. Um, and but so happy that you're here. For those of you who don't know, my name is Roberta Rael. I have the great pleasure of being the founding director of Generation Justice. We are 18 years old. 18 years. And there's so many lessons so many blessings that continue to happen in these 18 years. So I just want to introduce myself and acknowledge that. I also want to acknowledge that we stand and sit here on unceded Tiwa land, and we are blessed on this land that is called New Mexico that we are blessed with indigenous culture, traditions, and prayer. And with that, I would like to bring up one of our Leaders for Change fellows, Brad Lewis from Acoma, who will have us share with us a blessing. Thank you, Roberta. Naya, nice dia. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. So what are we doing here today? Other than seeing friends that I don't get to see often. Um... We're celebrating young people who have made a commitment to their own leadership. We're celebrating young people who said yes to an actually really big commitment of 13 months in a fellowship with us. The fellowship again is called the Leaders for Change Fellowship. It is part of the Narrative Shift Partnership and um, so the partnership is made up of organizational partners that come together, that are committed to social justice, that are committed to young people in New Mexico, being respected as leaders and being um, trained, nurtured, loved, encouraged, and seen. And so this year we have the Santa Fe Indian School Leadership Institute, who have been partners with Generation Justice for many years, San Felipe Pueblo Project Venture, New Mexico Dream Team, and this year, we varied a little bit. We wanted to try something just a little different because they were so enthusiastic. They were like, please let us join Siembra Leadership High School. We hadn't had a partnership with the high school before. And so we are really grateful that there's a high school that's committed to leadership and there's a high school that's committed to social justice. 
And so I know there's more than one, but this one in particular. And so those are the partners that Generation Justice leads in the Narrative Shift Partnership. We have a lot of presentations. We have uh, young people. There were 20 young people that participated. A couple are at uh, UNM orientation today. But um, I'm going to ask you to hold maybe any questions or any comments until the end of the presentations. And then we welcome you to um, let young, the young, the folks know how you uh, heard their presentations today. This is the beginning of the fellowship, not the end. I want to make that really clear. They have committed to 13 months. They just had two months of fast speed, intensive summer um, where we got to know each other pretty well. And um, most of it was on Zoom because we had folks from different communities joining us. I do want to just thank a few people because uh, I've learned over the years that if I don't thank people right away, um, something might happen and they may leave the meeting or um, I might forget. And so I just try to get as many of my thank yous out as possible early on. One of the core values that we worked with the young people this summer was the value of gratitude. And so the young people practiced gratitude every single day. When we had folks come in and present and train and teach, they expressed gratitude. And I just think that it's, you know, part of our culture here on this land to be, to lean into uh, gratitude and gratefulness as a way to help us keep that light inside of us. And so it's a very intentional practice. And so here's a little bit of my gratitude for today. I absolutely want to thank the Department of Health Infectious Disease Bureau for believing in our vision about having young people be trained in, in vaccine equity and health equity, that young people really could become trusted messengers for vaccine messages and other messages. We want to thank Momentum Santa Fe for also really believing in us. Um, we were a little bit of the different group um, within a whole big cohort that were really providing more hands-on vaccine clinics and that type of information. And we're like, no, let's train young people in disinformation and let's help young people see um, how they fit into this big picture. So we know, and we've seen even in this summer, so oftentimes, Young people are left off of the information train. The train is moving and it's moving fast. And that's the issue with inequality, is not everybody gets the same information at the same time in a way that they can all understand it. And that's some of what we see with young people, even with regard to the pandemic that we're still in, that Young people aren't always shared with what we are going through together and what we've just been through together and why mandates are changing or why they're not changing. And so that was some of the catch up that we did this summer with young people who didn't have access to information. So thank you to Momentum Santa Fe for that. When we brought the vision to you that you said yes and Audrey Herrera Castillo is with us today from Momentum Santa Fe. And Audrey led this program called Better Together. And um, there's a coalition of about 14 groups across the state of New Mexico that we came together, we were brought together to be better together. And we've learned from each other and we've shared with each other and we've um, taken young people to vaccine clinics and um, have had all the amazing unsung heroes that are holding public health in New Mexico um, on our radio shows. So thank you to Better Together. And then I'm quickly going to thank some of our other funders, the Conalma Health Foundation, Denise Herrera, uh, Michelle, the WKKF Foundation, Michelle Gutierrez, um, City of Albuquerque, Michelle Melendez, 
uh, and also Gilbert Ramirez, McCune Foundation, Family Foundation, Henry Rael, and um, the Santa Fe Community Foundation. And we're hoping that we'll be able to add in the future the Democracy Fund um, in funding us to do, continue to do some of this work. There's other staff that I'm gonna acknowledge in a little bit later, but I know what we're here for. Um, we had a lot of trainers come through um, as sharing knowledge, I think is also so important and cultural. Um, and the young people as they present are going to acknowledge all of those trainers, some of who are in the room with us. So um, we're going to switch our schedule just a tad because we have a young person who has to get back to UNM for his orientation. But he really wanted to come and tell his story. And I think that personal testimony is one of the most beautiful gifts that we can give. And so I'm going to have Elijah Cage from Generation Justice come up. And um, Elijah, just tell your story however you want to tell it. Um, and then you can give it back to me. Okay. Sorry, I'm a little tall. I had to put this up. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. I hope everyone is doing well. My name is Elijah Cage. I'm 19 years old. My pronouns are he, him, and his. I identify as black and Hispanic. And I will be an incoming freshman at the University of New Mexico, majoring in political science. So today, before I give my testimony, I would like to show a core value that I live by deeply. Um, that core value is faith. I was instilled that, it was instilled by me, by my mother, who is not here today, that my faith in God and my hopes and my prayers to him will lead many blessings in the future. And I'd like to share that with all of you that anything is possible through God. <laughs> so I was asked if I was comfortable sharing my story on getting my COVID vaccination. And, you know, getting my COVID vaccination wasn't easy, um, but it was the best, one of the best decisions I've made um, to protect myself and those that I love. Um, so, you know, in high school, you're exposed to different things that prepare you for life. And unfortunately, one of those things was the pandemic that we weren't prepared for. And it affected us in many ways, some more than others. And, you know, the sad thing is when it happened and all of us were able to go on with our lives, everybody seemed to forget that COVID was still a thing in high school. You know, people lifted the mask mandate and everybody forgot what it was, what COVID was. Nobody seemed to care no more. It was just a fantasy at that point. And, you know, during the year 2020, I was with Generation Justice during the summer, gathering information from experts, Miss Roberta, who were concerned about my safety because I was not vaccinated. And, you know, it's hard not being vaccinated because one COVID vaccine is now something you must have to go throughout life. And that's not a bad thing, it's for your own safety. And I have come to realize that this summer with all the information that I've gathered and learned and the care and support that I've had from many have helped me made that decision on getting vaccinated. And I'd like to share with everybody, the youth, parents, any family in here that getting your COVID vaccine will be one of the best things for you and for those around you. Because me, I know I have my mother who was affected by long COVID. And for me, I wouldn't be able to go on with my life knowing that 
she was affected in some way because of me. That's why I got the COVID vaccine, that and my own personal safety. And I just want to encourage everybody that safety is important, not just for you, but for everybody else around you. And that's my testimony. I would like to now give gratitude to my mother who is not here, um, you know, but that's still my mother. I love her very deeply. I would also like to give gratitude to Miss Roberta and Bhadvada for the loving people they are and their care and worry for my own safety as well as my uh, families. Um, I would like to thank the trainers who gave me that information to make that best decision for me and my family. Without that information, I would be at lost. And last but not least, I would like to thank the leaders and fellows that were with me this summer. You guys were an amazing group to be by, truly inspiring. We got to grow and laugh together. And I'll always forever be grateful. Like Mr. Roberta said, this isn't the end. It's just the beginning. And I just thank you all for listening to me today. And I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. And I'll give it back to Mr. Roberta now. You're listening to a very special edition of Generation Justice, broadcasting on 89.9 KUNM-FM. Tonight, the 2023 Leaders for Change Fellowship cohort discuss health and vaccine equity. This cohort includes youth from San Felipe Pueblo's Project Venture, Santa Fe Indian Schools Leadership Institute, the New Mexico Dream Team, Siembra Leadership High School, and Generation Justice, who is the lead organization for this meaningful effort. Now, back to DJ's founding director, Roberta Rael. Thank you, Elijah. So as Elijah said, um, you know, some of the trainers that we brought in um, and even the young people who were trainers, it was a variety of information, but we centered the training for the Leaders for Change Fellowship on the science, um, bringing in scientists, bringing in physicists, bringing in doctors, Dr. Miranda, Durham from Infectious Disease Bureau came and helped to train the young people. And, you know, science and facts do matter. And especially if you've been left off of some of the information, information is power. And right now, as we're even at this stage of this pandemic, um, information is safety and information is health. And so I'd love to bring up Eve Nanias and Cheyenne Weaver, who are not in town, um, and they're going to present from the Zoom. Thank you so much, Roberta. So good afternoon, everyone. I'm Cheyenne Weaver. I'm 24 years old. My pronouns are she, her. I am an alumni of the University of New Mexico, and I'm currently a master's student at the University of Houston. Um, a core value that I bring into this fellowship is my love of learning and the importance of education. This core value was instilled in me by my parents. Um, they always taught me that education was very important, that you should always be learning, that you should be a lifelong learner, that learning is more than just being in school and getting good grades. It's just always um, understanding that there's always more to be learned and you're always available to um, absorb new information. Um, and one thing that I would like to say about Generation Justice is that's such a great organization and I'm so proud to be a part of it and represent it because of how we're working to change the narrative surrounding youth in New Mexico. And I'll pass on over to Eve so she can introduce herself. Thank you, Cheyenne. Uh, hello everyone, my name is Eve Nanez. I'm 22 years old. Uh, I use any pronouns. I'm from the Pueblo of Acoma and I'm also Mexican-American. I am here today representing Santa Fe Indian Schools Leadership Institute Summer Policy Academy. Um, I worked with them uh, when I was in high school. I attended the Summer Policy Academy. And through that experience, I was able to learn a lot about Pueblo, uh, specifically uh, Pueblo policy in the state of New Mexico, but also pertaining to other tribes um, and as well as the at the federal level, at the federal level, excuse me, uh, Native American policy. 
um, and learning the issues that were within some of those policies um, and working together as a group uh, to be able to draft some policy revisions. Um, today into this space, I'm bringing the core value of family. This was given to me by my family and growing up and just seeing uh, the care that we had for one another, just always being there for one another, no matter what was going on. Um, that was something that uh, was instilled in me as really important. And I hope to be able to continue that um, into my own family. Um, I, real quick, I just would like to say a special thank you to Rafael Rubio, the president of Net Medical, and Dr. Miranda Durham, the medical director at the Infectious Disease Bureau, uh, for coming in and talking with the fellows this summer about COVID, about vaccinations. You provided such vital information, and we would not be able to, you know, uh, go into this fall with the information that we have if we didn't have you all. So thank you so much. Uh, to talk a little bit about what we learned about COVID and vaccinations as a result of being in the fellowship. For me personally, in talking with Raphael and Dr. Miranda Durham, I was able to learn a lot about how COVID impacts more than just the lungs in the body. It impacts other systems um, negatively. And I also learned about how the antigen tests that we have available, the at-home tests, aren't always super effective at um, detecting the Omicron variants. So just really instilled in me the importance of getting PCR tested when I can, um, staying up to date with my vaccinations, you know, uh, getting boosted, or if it's your first time getting a vaccine, getting the bivalent vaccine uh, is really helpful in helping to mitigate the spread and prevent serious infection. Uh, you know, within the past two summers that I've been with GJ, I've learned so many uh more things about germs and uh, airborne pathogens that I didn't know before. Uh, prior to the pandemic, I hadn't really been super conscious about the way I went about sharing food and drink with friends and family. That wasn't something that I was really thinking about. But with the pandemic, of course, um, I feel like a lot of us were probably a lot more scared or just wary about the ways that, you know, we were sharing um, some of those things. So, you know, and being in the fellowship that kind of provided me with more information about how exactly, you know, um, things are transmitted, you know, how the virus works. Um, and it empowered me to take my own safety and my family's safety into my hands um, with that information um, in order to keep uh, myself and those that I love uh, around me safe as well. Um, and I'll hand it over to Cheyenne. Thank you so much, Eve. So now I'll talk about um, what I want you guys to know about the science and developments of the vaccine. Um, I think it's so important to be vaccinated. Um, that's one of the best ways to keep not just yourself safe, but also your family, the people that you love and care about safe as well. Um, there's so many different variants and mutations of the virus. Um, that's why it's so important to get vaccinated because being vaccinated can help you um, stay healthier. And if you do end up contracting one of those variants, it makes it less likely for you to have such um, severe symptoms and experiences, potentially be hospitalized, things like that. Um, and another point that I really want to drive home is, again, the importance of being vaccinated and how vaccination is kind of like practicing community safety and community love, because by getting vaccinated as an individual, you're showing how much you love and care about your family, your community, and that you um, care about doing public good and that you're not just trying to um, be selfish or just care about yourself on an individual individualistic level, but care about everyone on a community level. And I'll hand it on over to Eve. No, exactly, Cheyenne. Um, thank you so much for that. Uh, and to start to close out, you know, this little section um, that Cheyenne and I are speaking on, I would just like to thank Rafael Rubio again um, so much uh, for his time, um, you know, for being committed to the young people learning about this information. Um, once again, we would not be able to, you know, be where we are at right now without you. Um, I'd also like to uh, send a special shout out and a thank you uh, to my parents, uh, Jennifer and Jorge. Um, thank you so much for, you know, letting me just come home and rattle off all of the information that I'm learning um, to them. Thank you for being so receptive to it all. Um, I'm glad that, you know, you're just as committed to this work uh, as am I. Um, and Cheyenne is going to uh, read a thank you uh, to Dr. Durham now. Yes, I'm going to bring in um, 
Osiris Rodriguez, her thank you note to Dr. Miranda Durham. Um, she wasn't able to be here, unfortunately, because she's at orientation for UNM. So I'll read her thank you note. It goes, Dr. Durham, thank you so much for making time to come talk to us. I loved your visuals, especially the three main approaches to make vaccines. The graphics highlighting exactly what part of the virus we are focused on really made it click for me. The work you do is amazing and you're such a humble person. My father's over 65 and I'm so happy to know there's a vaccine schedule to keep his immune system working hard with a second dose of the bivalent vaccine. You're right, the booster's name being changed did have my family a little confused on what that meant. Happy to say I can now provide clarification for them. The facts and statistics you provided really made me realize how much we rub off COVID as a thing of the past. Thank you. This again is a quote from Osiris Rodriguez. She's a Leaders for Change fellow through um, the New Mexico Dream Team. And I personally would like to thank my parents William and Contona Weaver for instilling the importance of education into me. I'd like to thank my siblings for just being the best siblings and supporting me and, you know, listening to all my phone calls about, guys, guess what? This happened at the fellowship, this, this, and that. So I'd like to thank my family for that. I'd like to thank all my fellows and uh, Roberta and Barbara for being here and doing such a good job on making sure how everything goes just so smoothly. And now I'd like to hand it to Brad and Sam to talk about the social determinants of health. Hello, everybody. My name is Samantha Duran. I come from the Pueblo of San Felipe. I'm 21 years old. I am a peer specialist with San Felipe Project Venture. I've been with them for about nine years now. Um, one core value that I always carry with me is respect. This was taught by my father, Samuel Duran. Um, he taught this to me because in our way of saying, you never know who you're run into. It could be someone who's passed on and gone into the other life. And you just kind of want to show that respect and you'll get a lot in return. So today I just wanted to come and talk about um, social determinants and also involve the trainers um, that have taught us about it. So the first one is Enrique Cardell from the Bernalillo County Health Equity Council who presented on social determinants of health and liberation. And Dr. Lisa Kakari Stone helped us understand about determinants of health through the Weave, Seal, NM video stories. And last, lastly, Camilla Khan from the UNM Health Science Center taught us about indigenous determinants of health and the Dene Nation's response to COVID-19. After taking all of this information in for the next three years, I remember that social determinants of health for Native American communities are often overlooked or not incorporated into Western understandings of health. Along with the education system, knowing this is failing within my community and others as well, when looking at this, I know what, what I can do to help my community along with other communities to help encourage this and to make a change, also making opportunities. So I will go ahead and pass this on to Brad. Thank you, Sam. Kwatsi, kaito hopa tushiname shuti eko tets tsunahanoteshe. Hello, everyone. My English name is Brad Lewis. This is my first year with the fellowship representing Santa Fe Indian School Leadership Institute. I am 17 years old. I just graduated high school, the class of 2023, and I am from the Pueblo of Acoma. Social determinants of health are the conditions in someone's environment, which could be someone's job, where they work, how far it takes them to get to work. Are they full-time? Do they have children? How many children live in their home? What do they eat? Do they eat healthy? All these little determinants, they all play a role in our health. An example of social determinants where I'm from, as I mentioned, I'm from the Pueblo of Acoma. And if you don't know where that's from, that is a Pueblo village built on top of a 300 and so feet sandstone mesa, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and I'm very proud of where I'm from. 
But being from there, there's no running water. There's no electricity. There's only one road to get up and down. <laughs> and it takes about 30 minutes to get to the hospital, which, which sucks, especially in emergency times. But my neighbor is a medicine lady, so I do got Indian healthcare, <laughs> which, which, is also, <laughs> which is also one of the indigenous social determinants of health as well. And here, for our visual aid, we have equality and equity. And a lot of times, people get the two words mixed up. So here we have equality, where everyone is getting the same treatment even though not everyone is in the same situation. And over here on the other side, we have equity. Now, equity understand, understands that and acknowledges that not everyone is in the same boat and everyone's situation is different. So they give the support to the people who really need it. And then now that we look back on the whole entire screen, we could see the examples of equality, equity, and self-determination. See how that beautiful indigenous woman is just like dancing? She's like, hey, I'm free. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you to our audience, our members here today, and especially my parents sitting front row, my sister as well. Thank you from traveling all this way and as well as Ally and Roberta and Barbara. Thank you so much. Thank you. Presenting next is Zane from Generation Justice. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Zane Guy Noshin Dixon, or Zane Alabedin Tahi. Uh, I'm 17, and uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. I identify as a black and Indian person. Um, I've been with Generation Justice for four or five years now. I uh, started out as a youth justice intern, and then, um, or not an intern, a uh, media specialist or something like that. <laughs> um, and then I started doing, uh, I joined the internship in 2021, and then, a, um, and then I joined the fellowship just this year. And um, I'm going to present about, uh, what do you call it, disinformation, misinformation, and racialized disinformation. Uh, first, I would like to give a really, really big shout out to Encuentro, who um, came and did a training on disinformation. And since 2020, um, since the pandemic started, have been working to make sure Spanish-speaking citizens and people who don't um, necessarily get information regularly from the CDC or the DOH and stuff like that and aren't really um, in, like counted uh, by our government, um, they were able to get this information, this vaccine equity, and we're able to get true information and actually be represented in data and statistics so that their needs are met and that they're, they're properly um, educated on this information. So yeah, really, really big shout out for them uh, for coming to also present to us as well about the information. Um, and then I'd also like to give a big shout out to Amelia Beauvalet, who did the uh, disinformation training with me as well that Generation Justice has been putting on for about a year, two years? So for two years now, um, so yeah, let me go first. So um, I'm just gonna share about the definition. So disinformation is information that is deliberately false or misleading, often spread for political gain, profit, or to discredit a target individual, movement, organization, or group. Misinformation is information whose inaccuracy is unintentional and spread unknowingly. And lastly, racially, racialized disinformation is the strategic use of falsified racial or ethnic identities that focus on race as a wedge issue. Um, just to give a, like a quick example, since a little bit more complicated of a concept, um, Blacksit was a Twitter hashtag that was created in 2016. Um, that was a planned word of Brexit. And um, a bunch of racist, non-black people from 4chan ended up uh, pretending to be black, going on Twitter um, under the hashtag and tried to create a, a divide and a division in the community that um, this hashtag meant that black people should take a trip to Africa and essentially move and let America be a white nation again. So um, that's just an example of racialized disinformation. 
Um, I also want to talk about why it's really important that we teach about disinformation, misinformation, and racialized disinformation, especially to youth, but just to everyone in general, and especially right now. Um, but we don't really see a lot of accurate information all the time. And a lot of the time, the people we get our like vaccine or uh, COVID-19 information from, we don't look further. We don't look towards experts. And I think it's really important to make sure that the information we get isn't from just like a friend or family member that we think could be telling the truth, but someone we know is telling the truth, someone we know wants us to be safe. So, um, yeah. Thank you, everybody. Uh, next will be some people from the Siembra Leadership High School who will be presenting their The Donde Soy poems. Hello, um, I am Madison Drain. Uh, this is my first year with this fellowship. I am 16. I am a junior at Siembra Leadership High School and I am also representing uh, Siembra Leadership High School. My pronouns are she, her. And um, this uh, the Soy poem was introduced by us by Damian Flores, and the poem was adopted by Le Levi Romero and originally created by uh, Ella Lyon. And so here's my Soy poem. I am from Albuquerque, from city lights to sirens. I'm from love and chaos, from the red roses and the apricot trees that grew up beside me. I'm from family dinners, movie nights to game nights, from having integrity that Kendra and Beverly gifted to me. I'm from family coming, to, coming together on big occasions and going to church on Sundays. I'm from don't touch that and stop moving so I don't burn you with this hot comb. From don't stop believing by journey and Sunday barbecues. I'm from New Mexico and black culture to cornbread and chicken alfredo I'm from driving around Albuquerque with my mom and siblings, blasting music in the car, laughing nonstop together. I am Madison Sylvia Blue Jane Brown. And um, I wanted to thank you for listening to my poem and a pers personal thank you to Mr. Atkins who is in the Zoom right now with us. And I will pass it on to Luis. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Luis Arredondo. I'm 17 years old. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Um, today, I'm representing uh, Siembra Leadership High School. Um, I would say my core value would be uh, respect, and the person who gifted me would be my parents. Um, and today, I would like to share uh, my the on the slide poem with you guys. Uh, so. I am from the light, from the plants and water, and the house with a warm feeling. I am from the roses and the pine trees. I am from a Mexican family tradition and the respect that my mom and dad gave me. I am from camping and traveling and being together as a family. Yo soy de Ascaso and Puerto Tevien, and family reunions on the weekends. Yo soy Mexicano and Mexican hospitality, and carne asada and pozole, and all the family pictures and vacations under my bed, in the wall, in my heart. And something that I learned from this fellowship this summer would be just to step out of your comfort zone and try new things. And I'll pass it on to Roberta. So another value that we tried to have this summer is, um, along with gratitude, is the value of experiencing beauty and how beauty comes from our hearts into our minds, into our mouths and out of our mouths in poetry. And so we're so grateful to be able to share with you a little bit of poetry today from the young people as they did that self-exploration about who they are, where they come from, and who they come from. And so could I have another applause for the poets? So a big part of what we were doing this summer is all this training, um, disinformation, social determinants of health, the science, 
of um, vaccines, the history of vaccines, the science of COVID, and understanding um, the pandemic, and all of the various like aspects and viewpoints of the pandemic. The reason we wanted to do this work is because we know young people are incredibly creative. Young people understand social media, understand messaging. And then if you bring in trainers who teach about messaging and uh, what really works for New Mexico in public health messaging, and you, then you allow young people to just fly, that they become the trusted messengers that we need them to be. And so I'm gonna bring up Karen, Karen Kampa. She is the digital organizer for New Mexico Dream Team. And we really leaned into Karen's expertise and her gentle, kind leadership um, as young people were trained by other folks as well who are gonna get acknowledged. But for young people to curate these important messages. And so we're only showing you a snippet of messages and Karen is going to guide that process. Thank you, Roberta. So hi everyone, my name is Karen Campa. I'm 24 years old. I go by she, her pronouns. And I'm originally from Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. I immigrated here when I was around six years old, so I've been here ever since. And like Roberta mentioned, I'm the digital organizer with the New Mexico Dream Team. And the core value that I wanna share with all of you is kindness. That's something that my parents have shown their, like their entire life, like they're my entire life. And it's just something that's been modeled for me. So I just wanna, you know, Thank, thank the trainers that gave us these trainings, Carmelita Archuleta, she's a marketing and communications coordinator with Moving Arts Española. She gave us a presentation on best social media practices and just how to curate that content. And she also introduced the color emotion wheel to us. We also wanna thank Dr. Gabe Sanchez, who is a professor at, who is a professor of political science at the University of New Mexico. And his presentation was on data-informed outreach and just like statewide vaccination, vaccination messaging. And we also learned about what messages work best in New Mexico and becoming a trusted messenger. So the New Mexico June team did work on vaccine equity throughout the pandemic, just to get our immigrant communities vaccinated to ensure that our communities were safe. But this type of work is a little bit different from the social media work that I'm currently doing. Um, we usually work on like legislation, um, issues that are impacting our immigrant communities, and just um, the importance and power behind voting. So, you know, it's pretty refreshing to see that this work is still continuing because it's really important to, you know, make sure that the COVID um, messaging is getting out there. And so I just want to, you know, remind you all that we're all trusted messengers in some sort of way within our family and friends. But the way we, we become trusted messengers is just, you know, through connecting with one another. Um, and so, you know, the fellows have been working on creating the graphics and messaging on vaccine equity. And we just want to highlight that, you know, that work that they've been doing. Thank you so much to all of our fellows and the amazing work that they had done this summer. Um, just lastly, I just want to give some thanks to our trainers, you know, Carmelita and Dr. Gabe Sanchez. They provided a lot of good information for us. I also want to thank Eduardo Esquivel, who is on the Zoom. He is my co-director, and, you know, he pushed me to do this fellowship and just kind of grow as a person. So I'm really thankful that he did that for me. And, you know, just Saihan and Ostiris, my fellows, for doing the amazing work that they did, and just seeing them grow was pretty amazing. Um, and lastly, just Barbara and Roberta, they provided so much support for me like throughout this whole fellowship. So I'm just like eternally grateful for them. And I will be passing on to Saihan to do long COVID. Hello, everyone. 
So I'm going to be talking a little bit on, on the creation of some posts for the long COVID. Um, just to give a quick definition, long COVID is a chronic multi-symptom illness. Um, and just to like give an example, it's like when a person suffers from long COVID uh, or from COVID symptoms mo weeks, months, or even years after contracting COVID. Um, so we thought this was very important to cover because it's something that not a lot of people are aware of, including myself, uh, before the fellowship. And uh, throughout the post, it was a lot of research done, but I would also like to give a special thanks to Andre Vak Dr. Andre Vakin. Um, he came in and he gave us a study and he sh gave us a presentation on long COVID and it was really insightful. So I'm really grateful for him and for bringing his uh, expertise into our space. So as you guys can see, this is a the colors for the fellowship, like I mentioned earlier. And uh, we've made the long COVID is still at large as big as possible because that's the point that we're trying to make, right? We're trying to f uh, inform everyone that this is something that's going on. And I wanna emphasize the second point a little bit because nearly three years into a pandemic that left millions newly disabled. This is something that I wasn't aware of. Um, the long COVID could also be used as a disability because it affects people's livelihoods throughout like years to come. Yeah, and uh, if we can go to the second slide. On this one, we wanted to cover a little bit of uh, how the ways that it's affecting millions of people. Um, like I mentioned, I wasn't aware of uh, long COVID, so this is very important to us. Um, and I was, uh, like, uh, like it says right here, uh, long COVID is real. Uh, I just want to keep like emphasizing that to you. And I want to let everyone know that it doesn't affect like only a certain group of people. This is something that affects everyone, including like us as youth, which is important that we did this work and to, to share for all of you. And then for this last, last slide, uh, we just covered a little bit of the symptoms. Um, these are just like a, a small list of symptoms. There's also a lot, many more symptoms that could, uh, that could occur. And um, there's uh, multiple different combinations of symptoms that a person can contract. So it varies from person to person. And uh, another point that I would like to make is that there's not a lot of research here because as we said, this is fairly new and they're still being looked on. Um, we're very lucky to have uh, the My Research Network, which is going on here in Albuquerque, and they're constantly making new observations and hypotheses and uh, uh, discovering new ways on, to help people overcome long COVID. Thank you. Wow, so much in one little time. Um, can we just thank the young people one more time, please? And for those of you on Zoom, please don't be shy about your gratitude. Use the chat to um, give that love and appreciation and we will share with the young people, um, your messages. Okay, get a second lunch. Get some uh, lemonade. And no, seriously, thank you so much for being here, for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you to all of you on Zoom. Thank you so very much. Um, I see you, I feel you, I appreciate all of you. Um, much love, much love to all of you and everybody who's in this room. Thank you. Thank you so much to all of our Leaders for Change fellows, to Generation Justice's Director, Roberta Rael, a special thank you to San Felipe Pueblo's Project Venture, Santa Fe Indian Schools Leadership Institute, New Mexico Dream Team, Siembra Leadership High School, and our Generation Justice Fellows. It was an honor to be able to spend my summer with this amazing New Mexico youth, learning, growing, and co-facilitating the fellowship over the past six weeks. Before we end our program, we have an important announcement for you. Are you interested in building the foundation for your financial future? Do you want to understand credit history to open the door to housing, jobs, and more? 
If your answer was yes, this announcement is for you. The Center of Innovation for Behavioral Health and Well-Being is organizing financial literacy virtual workshops for New Mexico youth ages 16 to 26. For more information, you can contact Center of Innovation NM at nmsu.edu. Again, the email is centerofinnovationnm at nmsu.edu. The first session is taking place this Wednesday, August 16th from 4.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. The second workshop is happening on Wednesday, September 20th from 4.30 to 6 p.m. That's it for our community calendar. Now we bring you Spirit Medicine Healing Song by Robbie Robertson and the Red Road Ensemble. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of community action. We'd like to thank all of our Leaders for Change fellows for sharing what they learned in June. Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Roberta Rael and myself, Barbara Ramirez, with production assistance from Roman Garcia. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, Conalma Health Foundation, the New Mexico Department of Health Infectious Disease Bureau, through the Better Together program and Office of School and Adolescent Health, as well as the City of Albuquerque, Race Forward, Media Justice, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by POD. I'm Barbara Ramirez. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Buenas noches, Nuevo Mexico. Thank you for listening to Generation Justice.